truth. You know, I like going to Home Depot. I don't know if you like going to Home Depot. I like going to Home Depot. I go to Home Depot, and I love to go by and look at the tools. I don't know if any of you other men uh, or even women, you love to go out there and look at the tools. And I don't know what some of them do. I mean, I look at the tool, and I don't know exactly what they're doing. In fact, Rick, when you told me that you got that tool for the, uh, the uh, cutting the edges, you know, and for the, for the frames and all that stuff, I wanted one of those really bad. I didn't have a reason to have one. I'll come. Well, I have 250 reasons not to have one, and I, I found out what they cost. And so, but the deal about it is, is there's, there's a lot of tools that are out there that I don't know exactly what they do. But I know that every tool has a purpose. You realize that? I mean, a tool is not made except that that tool has a purpose. And whether I know it or not, I know it has a a purpose. And who has determined what the purpose of that tool is? The one who made that tool. They determined who it is. Now, get this. We understand that we are a created people. You are a created person. And it would... I mean, I'm just not trying to use just common sense here, but quite frankly... It makes sense that we have a God that is so purposeful, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, that he would not have created you without a purpose. You have a purpose. Now, we're going to get into some general purpose, and then we're going to get into more specific. But God has a general will for all his people. Understand, there are some things that he has for every last person. One of these is Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for prosperity and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, here's the situation with God. I think that a lot of people, when I said to them, even a few weeks ago, I said, God wants you to take a walk with him and you want to take a walk with him as well. Because some people say, well, I don't want to take a walk with God. You know why? They think that God's going to say, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you and hang you on a cross. That's already been done. That's not going to happen again. You understand that? Understand that what God has for us is that he has a prosperity for us. Now, I'm not trying to say you're going to be rich. The prosperity that I'm talking about is that you're going to have plenty and not so much that you'll have excessive prosperity so that you will no longer need God. You realize that many times when we're in such need, it's so that we'll cry out to him. But it's not because God doesn't have it. It's because God cares about us enough. Understand, how many of you that have children would go into a candy store and say to the the child, just eat as much as you want and I'll pay for it later. You know what would happen then, don't you? That wouldn't be a loving parent, would it? No more than it would be a loving God that says, I tell you what, I'm just going to give you everything, even if it's not good for you. God has a prosperity for us, but not the kind that is often preached. I'll have to say that. God has purposed that he will give you what you truly need. That's really what it is. He's purposed that he's going to give you what you truly need. Now, I'm not talking about the bare minimum either. It says in Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Say, how how many riches does God have? Think about that for a moment. And I remember reading about a guy who said he always wanted to work for a rich man. And the reason was is because he wanted to be able to be paid. You understand what I'm saying? I got a news for you. I'm working for the richest person there is. You understand what I'm trying to say to you. You realize that's the situation that we have here. God is, has a plan and his plan is to bless you. 
So God has made everything with a purpose. He's made everything with a purpose. Now that's, sometimes we, get, we struggle with that. But it says in Proverbs 16.4, The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Now, an alternative reading of that would be, and it's, it, it works out both ways. The Lord has made everything for his own purpose. There's no additional meaning to that second translation. But there's a difference in the emphasis. The Lord has made you for a purpose. You know, I have broken a lot of screwdrivers by treating them like chisels. I didn't have a chisel handy. So I used a screwdriver and I banged on it with a hammer until I broke the the handle off the the, uh, screwdriver. And, and, you know, I've rounded out a bunch of hex bolts because I didn't use the right size uh, wrench in it. You know, I've done that. I mean, I've damaged a lot of things by using a crescent wrench as a hammer. I don't know. None of you have ever done that. I know that. But anyway, I have. And so I'm trying to use the wrong tools and even in the wrong way because they didn't have that purpose See, tools have no enjoyment in their purpose, but you should. Somehow I think that our theology has come around and it bothers me that our theology has been, well, you have the people in the ministry, then you have the people in the laity. And there's so much difference between the two. I mean, look at the New Testament, folks. Does it make that big a difference? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't whatsoever Our theology seems to say that God only cares about those in the ministry. That God only prepares for those in the ministry. But that's not really true. See, each and every one of us is carefully crafted. Each and every one of us. I want to put that emphasis there. Each and every one of you is carefully crafted. Psalm 139.14 says, I will give thanks to uh, to you for I am awesomely... And wonderfully made, wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. This isn't just for preachers. This is for everyone that is out there. See, God has created each and every one of you for a purpose. And God has created you with a purpose. That's what he's done. He's created you with a purpose. Now, understand, God is complete without us. I don't want you to think that I'm trying to say say is God needed to create you because he wasn't complete without you, but he's complete without us. He doesn't need us to be complete. He created us out of his love. He knew us before creation and he created us out of his love because he already knew us before he created us. And each of us is complete. You understand, we don't need children to be complete. That's really true. We don't need children to be complete. But many of us have a desire to bring life, which is also in God. And even seeing others come to know Christ, you know, is is known by those who walk in their purpose. When you have a joy, when you see somebody, we're going to have somebody baptized in this, this next service. And you should be a, there should be a joy that is there for seeing this, this guy who, understand what happened. He comes to the door and says, can I talk to somebody? And you know what I think, I can tell you what I think. He's probably here to ask me for money. But he talked to David, thank goodness. And he said, I need, my, I need, to, get, I need to be baptized. 
I need to follow the Lord. And so he's, he's been here uh, since then, and, and he's going to be baptized today. There should be a joy that comes in us. So have you ever thought this? If God knows us before we were created, and he knows whether or not we're going to trust in Christ, why did he even create those people who will never trust in him? Have you ever thought that thought? I'll tell you, the answer doesn't come easy. For even evil works itself for our good. Even evil. Understand this. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for, the, for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. See, we can't skip the bad just to get to the good. It's a hard lesson for us to understand that even those people that will never trust in him have a purpose. It says in Romans 9, 17, For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very reason I raised you up, to demonstrate my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. You see, the whole earth proclaimed, was, uh, the, the name of the Lord was proclaimed by his people because of the things that happened with Pharaoh. And Pharaoh kept saying, no, 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 no. And God did miracle after miracle after miracle, plague after plague after plague. And what we find is, is that even in that evil that was there, God's name is proclaimed. Let me give it to you in more practical terms. I really had a hard time in my last church. I'm going to tell you up front. I mean, I've been here for, I'll be 19 years in March. But the thing is, is that I have, my last church, I had a hard time. There is nothing wrong with those people. I want you to hear this up front. It wasn't because of them. I did not fit. I was not the right person. I should have known that. I should have not done that. But here's the thing. I don't think that Thalia Lynn would actually have traveled all the way to Texas to get me. But they were willing to go to Tennessee. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You see, if I had not had that hard time, those six years where I did the wrong thing, tell you the truth, by going there, what happens is is that I would never have come here. You see, so God used that tough time, that difficult time, in order that to for me to gain what God had for me. Understand? So look. To how you are made to see God's purpose for you. Know your own gifts. Understand, know your own gifts. You have been given spiritual gifts. I'm going to read these out to you, but I'm not going to go through every one of them. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, it says, For just as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. However, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them accordingly. If prophecy in proportion to one's faith, if service in the act of serving... Or he who teaches in the act of teaching. Or he who exhorts in in the work of exhortation. The one who gives with generosity. And he who is in leadership with diligence. The one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. 
Let me give you my understanding of the spiritual gifts. Understand this. And actually, I've told somebody here that I said, if I'm wrong about that, I asked this person to pray that I would be struck dead right now. So here's my understanding. Okay. If I'm dead, then you know I was wrong. Uh, God gives you first what I call the sustained gifts. These gifts that are in Romans. You say, I believe that these gifts are the ones that are, are the ones that you're given to you when you come to know Christ. As the Holy Spirit comes into you, you're given whatever the gifts are. You don't have all of them, but you have at least one or two of these gifts and that you will have those all of your lives. And you need to fan the flame of that gift or whatever are the good, those gifts. In 1 Corinthians, I think you get the unsustained gifts. Let me give you the, the Romans gifts. The, Reven, the Romans gives you seven gifts. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. Those are the, the, those are the gifts you're given in order to carry out your purpose. In 1 Corinthians 12, we are given the spectacular gifts. And they are given for the moment that they're necessary. They are wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And to see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. I believe that in your life, you may have this thing happen to you right here. We may have the, the gift of healing. Now, and, and you, you see that happen. Or you may have the, the gift of, of prophecy and actually predict something that's going to happen. Or you may have something that, that you know, where you distinguish spirits. But you may never have that again. It just is a one-time thing, maybe, or twice, or 25 times. I don't know. The Romans gifts are the gifts you function with. They're given to your salvation, as I said. And you have at least one of those Romans gifts. Maybe more, but not all of the spiritual gifts. You have at least one of those gifts out of Romans. Not all of them. Not all of them. You see, for example, I do not have the gift of mercy. If you know me, you know that's true. I do not have the gift of mercy. Does that give me a pass not to give mercy to people? No, it does not. It does not give me a pass. It is, it's harder for me to give mercy. I'm just giving you the truth. It's harder for me to give mercy. And the people that have mercy just think I'm, I'm rough. You know what I'm saying? And that's not the case. It's just that I don't have the gift of mercy. I do have the gift of teaching. I love to teach. I mean, I wanted the gift of prophecy. And I tried to act like a prophet for a while. And that was a bust. And let me tell you, absolutely. See, the first Corinthian gifts are given, given for a specific reason. They come as the Spirit wills. The Romans gifts I'm going to stay with. The first Corinthian gifts are something that may come on me and, and not happen again. True story. When I was in Houston... I went to the hospital. Lady had a stroke. Okay, here's the thing. I had a, she had a stroke. I went to that hospital room and I prayed for that lady and she was instantly healed right there. You want you to hear this? I do not have a sustained gift of healing. If I did, I'd go to all the hospitals and I'd be the insurance agent's uh, best friends. You understand what I'm saying? I'd empty every hospital that was out there. That happened one time in my life. One time. That's a gift of healing. Did I, did I get it for that moment? Yes. Yes. And you may get a gift like that too. One time, two times, five times. I don't know what it is. But as the Spirit wills. Now, Ephesians gives the gifts to the church, which is the purpose of the members of the church. 
Ephesians 4.11. I know I'm, I'm probably confusing everybody here, but Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. So let's list those. One is apostle. Two is prophet. Third one is evangelist and pastor, teacher. Now, the rules of Greek make sure that you understand that it's actually shepherd, teacher, but most people use pastor. But the thing about it is, is that they are one person. I I can't make the rules of Greek up. That's just the way that it works. So there are four purposes that we have here. Apostle, not the office as in the New Testament when they saw the risen Lord and they wrote the New Testament. You cannot write scripture and you haven't seen the risen Lord. Uh, Understand that completely. But there were apostles that came, even in the New Testament, that we see that were not part of those 12 apostles that were there. So there was an office of apostles. The word apostello means messenger. It is one who is sent out. And sometimes we think of that as normally as a missionary. But missionary may be just too narrow a term here. See, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. He did move about. But there were some of the apostles that presented their messages right where they were. Apostles venture out where others might not go. They push for new things in the church. They are valuable to the church because... Their purpose is to get the church off of doing the same old stuff all the time that isn't working anymore. Their purpose is to advance God's kingdom boldly. So some of you might be apostles. You don't have to be in the ministry to do that. A prophet. A prophet, that's more than predicting the future. Prophets will confront false doctrine and keep the church from following those who teach this doctrine. They may tend to be caustic at times. They're blunt. They're in your face sometimes. They will tell you, you know, they'll tell you the truth. And they may not put any sugar into it at all. I was talking with a guy that I would have considered a prophet. I asked him a question. He answered my question. I didn't understand him. And I said, I don't get that. He said to me, I've already answered your question. He was that blunt. Understand. But he's a prophet. I understand that completely. Their purpose is to not only hear from God, and especially from his words, but to convey that to others. And they do that to keep the church on course with the word of God. The third one is evangelist. Now, there is no gift of evangelism. Let's understand that up front. Uh, These people are, yes, they're called to share the gospel. But the evangelist, because everybody is, everybody's called to share the gospel. The evangelist is the storyteller of the church. He recruits, he or she recruits others to see the message of the gospel and get involved in sharing of that message. The purpose of the evangelist is to recruit people who will bring the gospel to the people on the outside of the church. When I was in Lubbock, Texas, there was a new pastor that came at one of the churches. Now, this church ran about 135 people, understand? They ran about 135 people. And the pastor that they had there was phenomenal, even though there's 135 people there. And uh, the new pastor came in and what he did was he recruited people. You could not believe how this guy recruited people. He had a staff of like 35 unpaid. And he started that. I mean, he as he worked at that church of 135 in a couple of years, there were twenty eight hundred people in attendance. You know, here's the situation. He put people in the right 
places. Now, I will tell you up, tr- up front. So I visited his church. His preaching actually disappointed me because I thought it was going to be phenomenal. It wasn't. But he was an evangelist. That's what he did. And then there's the pastor teacher. The pastor teacher cares for the congregation by teaching them the word of God. Some of you are pastor teachers. You don't have to be paid to do this job. Understand. You see, what happens is each church would have those who have have people in it that are pastor teachers. They enrich relationships. They want people to develop a systematic understanding of God's word so they can apply the word to their daily living. The pastor teacher's purpose is to give a solid foundation, urging people to obey God through his word. This is what a pastor teacher does. He strives for people not only to know God's word, or she does, but to do God's word. The pastor teacher nurtures, nurtures the people to receive God's word. For God has prepared good works for you that you will accomplish through his purpose, through your purpose, rather. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Which this means is what? God is working on you. You have a purpose. God is working on you in that purpose so that you will accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Here's the thing that happens so often that bothers me, folks. People come and they join a church and then they don't ever do anything. They never do anything. They don't take their purpose seriously. They're not apostles. They're not, uh, they're not prophets. They're not evangelists. They're not pastor teachers. They don't do any of that. They don't know what their purpose is. And so he is making you into something outstanding. We've not quite gotten it yet. Every tool at Home Depot has a purpose. Philippians 1, 6 says, For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. This is for all your life. All your life you're going to have God working on you. All your life, bringing you closer to himself, walking with him, and having a purpose in your life. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. People don't get the abundant life that Jesus can give them because they're not acting in their purpose that God has also given them. You have, when you work in your purpose, you have a sense of accomplishment. You have a sense of fulfillment. It means that you're walking with God in order to continue with that. You have to, if you, and what you have to realize is that if you're not, if you stop walking with him, you start walking outside of your purpose. So you have to walk with him. If this, if the country had as much unemployment as the church, there would be a revolution. You realize We would vote out every politician because it's not that the church doesn't have jobs available. It's because the people don't take the jobs that are in the church. They don't know what their purpose is. They don't know what they're supposed to do. And that's why many are not fulfilling their purpose. And you know what happens? Well, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. If the devil can keep you from your purpose, 
He can steal your joy. He can steal your testimony. He can steal your fulfillment. The devil can make you have the impact as if you had never been saved. That's what the devil can do. The devil's strategy is to make you believe that there is something better than what God has for you. And you don't accept the things that God has for you because you say, well, you know what? If I take that job, I won't be able to do what I would really like to do. It's the same strategy that he used on Adam and Eve in the garden. He told Eve, you know what? God doesn't have your best interest in mind. He's keeping you away from something that you would really like. God doesn't really love you like you think he does. And you don't know what you've been missing. And that's why people don't take the responsibilities that God has for them. Too many people think that God wants them to just stay between the ditches. In other words, I got saved. Now all I got to do is not do the bad things. And I can just stay between the ditches. And I can tell you what, I can get on my way to heaven. Without ever having one reward that they'll have earned when they get to heaven. But you see, God has bigger plans. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, I think a lot of people think, you know what? If I take Jesus' hand, he's going to work me to death. Is that what he said? Look look at that scripture. Is that what he said? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. Not worn outness, not tiredness. Not, oh my goodness, I'm not going to get what I really wanted to do in this. It says there, you'll find rest for your souls. You know what I believe? I believe a lot of people are worn out. And they're worn out because they've been out there running that race on their own. And they've never taken his yoke upon them, learning from him. And able to have the energy that they really need to have. So I would say right now, I'm going to say a prayer. Right now, you ask him to lead you to your purpose. God's got a purpose for you. Let's pray. Father, I I pray for each and every one of us here.